This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of our Captain Jesus, I'd like to welcome you aboard New Life Flight 123, bound for spiritual development. My name is Ron, and as the chief steward of our flight, it is my privilege to share with you our Bible teaching for the morning. Our entire staff is here to serve you. We want to make this flight an enjoyable and successful one for you in every way. So please pull out the teaching notes from your program. Take the pencil provided at your chair. Get ready for takeoff. We're pleased to announce that it's a balmy 72 degrees at our destination because life is very good there. In fact, we're told that at our destination, everyone experiences maximum life. So, welcome aboard. How fun is that, huh? You know, I did that on purpose, not just because I wanted it to be a gimmick, because I really didn't want it to be a gimmick. I did that because I wanted to give us the realization that we're actually supposed to be on a journey. And you know, the great thing about a journey is... When you get out of the plane, you're supposed to be in a different place, correct? Yeah. Now, I've been to Disneyland before. In fact, I'm going to go there in a month or so. And you can take a virtual flight in Disneyland. You can stand in line, you get in that little simulator, right? And they, put a, they project an image up there and they shake you all up and you do all sorts of things and make you grab your breath. And you might even get dizzy at certain parts of it. But when they open the doors and you walk out, where are you? right where you were before you got in, correct? Because you didn't actually go anywhere. And and as I was thinking about that in preparation for this message, I realized that sometimes church is like that. And that is, it's more of a virtual flight than it is a real one. And it's possible for us to come to church and sit here and learn and take notes and do all that kind of stuff and have all the feelings that we're actually on a spiritual journey. But if the truth were really known, when we walked out the door, where are we? Exactly where we were on the way in. Can I tell you that's a waste of time? Because the idea in life is that God has called us on a spiritual journey. And that the idea of a journey is that when you get out of the plane, you're in a different place than you were when you got in. And the idea, hopefully, is when you get out of the plane, you're not only in a different place, but what? A better place than when you got in. You you have arrived at your chosen destination. And so this morning, the real challenge for all of us is that when we leave, that we would leave changed. That we would leave actually having taken place uh, in a journey of spiritual development in our lives. We're in the middle of a series of teachings from the Bible about spiritual growth and development. And I want to give you the core teaching from this. Take a look at the video screen, and here is our core teaching. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
There's a couple of things I, I want you to notice out of that. Number one, the goal of the teaching of Christ is that you and I would experience fullness of life. Not just existence, not just have some fun while we're here, but, ex- but that we would experience actually fullness of life, that we would be filled with life, that we would be filled with joy, that we would be filled with, with freedom. That life would be, it would have a wow factor to it. And not just the same wow that you get when you open your mail and they all got windows in them. All right? It's the opposite kind of wow. The fun wow. Second thing that you can see in that verse is that there's a definite connection between the experience of fullness of life and Jesus. He said, I came so that you might have life And have it to the full. So when I live my life. And I live it in connection with Jesus. I get to experience greater fullness of life. Than I could ever get if I live disconnected with Jesus. Not as his enemy. Just disconnected. Just at a distance. And so that leads us to what is a primary um, visual for this particular teaching series. And I'm going to walk up here to this spiritual continuum chart and we've noticed that um, all the way back here at level one we're exploring Christ and the idea of exploring Christ now that's a good place to be it's not necessarily a great place to stay but it's a good place to be because you don't ever get up here without going there and the idea of exploring Christ is I'm actually looking at the claims of Christ to see is he really who he said he was Is he really what the Bible says that he claimed to be? Because if Jesus is who he really claimed to be, which was God in the flesh, it changes everything about our world. Because you can't ignore the fact that if God came to our world, he would change it. And and so everything about Christianity and everything about the history of our world hangs in the balance of that one question. Was Jesus really God in the flesh or just a nice guy? Because if he was God in the flesh, everything he said, everything he did, takes on new meaning. Now once we come to a place where we recognize, I understand now Jesus is who he said he is. I've looked at the evidence. I believe and I'm ready to trust him with my life. We move to level two because now we're no longer just exploring Christ. We're actually growing in Christ. We've trusted him with our lives. And we are now learning to live as a follower of Christ should. And we're experiencing great changes in our behavior. And depending upon what our background was, for some of us, it's an extreme makeover. You understand what I mean? Yeah, because if we started a long ways away from Christ, then there are huge changes that take place in our life. Some of us didn't start quite so far away from Christ. But we all experience great change. And so we're growing in Christ. We're struggling to learn how to live as a follower of Christ would and should. But we can see great change in our life. Then eventually we decide, you know something? I'm not only going to go through these behavioral changes, but God has a purpose for my life. 
And now I'm not just growing in Him. I've got something to do. I want to live close to Christ. I recognize He didn't come to just teach me a different way to live. He came to actually share life with me. And I want to learn how to live close to Him. And I want to learn how to pray. And I want to learn how to pick up the Bible and read it and have Him speak to me. And I want to learn how to to decipher what is His will in my life. And and when I have a problem, I go to Him and I expect Him to, to give me an answer and to come alongside me. And so I'm learning how to live close to Christ, and I'm very grateful that I am a follower of Christ. But then there are some, and this is where the Lord would really want us all to get eventually, that say, that's not enough for me. I want Christ to be the very center of my life. You know, in the experience that Heather was sharing with us this morning, when she was driving her car, and I know Heather fairly well. And um, great lady, but I can tell you that she does like to be in control. Okay? And most of the time, that's a good thing. I may pay for that later, but most of the time, that's a good thing. But I don't care who you are, or, or how organized you are, or how well in control you are of things in your life. God has designed life in such a way that eventually you're going to run into something or several somethings over which you have zero control. And over which only God can exercise any authority. And oftentimes it's those experiences that get us to move from level three to level four where I don't want to just live close to Christ anymore. I want Him in full control of my life. I want Him to be the very center of my life. So when I get up in the morning, I don't want to just live this day as a Christian. I want to live this day with Christ at the center of my life in all that I do. And the goal of this particular sermon series and teaching is to help us take the next step in our growth and development as a Christian. So, welcome to the journey. And let's pray that this morning you and I can take a step in that direction. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful spiritual journey you have us on. Would you help us, Lord, this morning to get out of the flight simulator and get in the airplane and to actually land at a different place to take a huge step forward? in our spiritual journey this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So now let's take a look at God's design for life. There are three components, and I went over this a couple of weeks ago. There's God's design, there's our responsibility, and there's the church's role. And it takes all three of those together for us to actually be on this flight, just like it takes an airplane it takes a captain, and it takes passengers. You've got to have all three, or, or it's kind of pointless. So let's take a look at God's design. There are some overall cultures or atmospheres or um, just general characteristics that God wants us to have in order to experience maximum life. And if we, it makes no difference what we believe if we don't hold those beliefs in this culture 
that God has chosen as his design for the Christian life, it's not going to do any good. For instance, if I believe that Jesus is God's son, but I don't hold that belief in the context of love, is it going to help anybody? No. It's going to do more damage than it does help. So I want to give you the first sort of parable this morning. I'm going to project three images up on the video screens, and I want you to take a look. Here's the very first one. That happens to be a photograph of the planet Mars. And for obvious reasons, Mars is called the red planet because its overall general characteristics characteristic is that it's red. Now, here's another planet, and I know that you probably know what planet that is. What is that? How did you know that? Because it's called the ringed planet, correct? Yeah, that's the overwhelming characteristic that you see when you look at Saturn. It's what first draws your attention to it, and it's its most prominent identifying characteristic. Now, let me give you a picture of a third planet and see if you can figure out who it, what it is. What do you think that is? That's Earth, because Earth is called what? The blue planet. Now, you don't get Mars mixed up with Saturn, mixed up with the Earth, because even from millions of miles away, they have very clear identifying characteristics that, that just you can't miss. Can I tell you that over the last, over last week, this week, and the next two weeks, we're going to be laying out for us four identifying characteristics that, that identify us as followers of Christ. And they have to be obvious to people even from a distance. They are what help us be identified as followers of Christ. Now last week, Kevin talked with us about the first one. And that is the general characteristic of freedom. Christians are not people who live life bound up by their fears. People are not, Christians are not people who live life bound up by bad habits and bad behaviors and destructive personal behaviors. And, and they're not people who live in a general context of bondage, but they are people who live in the general context of wonderful freedom. Not freedom to do things that are wrong, but freedom to do things that are right. They live with a joyous spirit that you would expect from someone who is experiencing not pseudo-freedom, not self-indulgent freedom, but genuine freedom. And he talked about it in the context of overcoming the fears that often bind us and limit us in life. Now this morning, we're going to talk about the second general characteristic that God wants in our lives, and it is generosity of spirit. Generosity of spirit. What a great place to live. Let me read you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you th- actually three parables. The first one is the parable of the planets. And, and uh, now I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. We're going to learn three great principles this morning and we're going to finish with a couple of parables. So let's take a look at this passage of scripture. Jesus said this, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, Offer the other also. For how many of you is that normal and natural? Good, I'm glad you're not lying. It's not normal and natural for any of us. He goes on to say, If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat as well. For how many of you is that natural? Are you kidding? 
They're going to have to sue me for my shirt. Okay? Going on. If a soldier... Now, you have to understand the Jewish culture. The nation of Israel at this time was being ruled by the Romans, and the Romans had a sort of cultural rule. And the cultural rule was any Roman soldier, he had all this gear that he carried, at any point in time he could stop any Jew and say, I need you to carry my gear for a mile. And you had no choice but to do it. You couldn't say, I'm sorry, my wife is expecting me home for dinner. Well, you'll be home one mile late. Actually, two. One to go there and one to come back. Yeah. So now Jesus said, if a Roman soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it how far? Two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Now, before we go on to the next screen, for how many of us do you think this might be a challenge? All of us, correct? But can you agree with me? He's talking about generosity of spirit. Huge generosity of spirit. And then he ended that by saying, in this way you will be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. And now he's going to give us an illustration. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. How many of you are glad for that? Every one of you should be glad for that. And I'll tell you why. Because we all do evil things. Wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't church be an interesting place? If the amount of sunlight you got on Sunday morning depended upon how you acted in the previous week. And people got out of their cars and started walking toward church. And there's a big cloud that just goes right over them all the way into church. You know, and when the pastor got ready to offer the opportunity for forgiveness, all the cloudy people would be, yes, I, you know, I'd love to see the sun again this week. But the thing about God is, is that God gives his sunlight to everybody goes on to say, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even in their, in their country, the worst people in the world were the tax collectors. I'm just going to leave that alone as we enter tax season, all right? So, but he said, even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. And he goes on to say, if you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Because even pagans do that. And then he leaves us with a very challenging statement. Be, but you are to be, what's that next word? Perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now here's what I want you to see. The word that's translated perfect there doesn't mean never making a mistake. The word that's translated perfect there actually is the word that means complete. Okay? It means it's not missing any parts. And the huge thing that Jesus is teaching us is this. If we don't walk through life with a vast generosity of spirit toward everyone, we are missing a key component of being a follower of Christ and being a son or daughter of God himself. want that to sink in. Generosity of spirit.
Now, let's learn two things out of that passage. The first thing that we're going to learn is this. A gift or a deed isn't considered generous unless it goes beyond what is deserved or expected. In every case that Jesus just cited for us, the person went above and beyond what would be deserved or expected, correct? Yeah. So if I owed you $100 and I came to you when the $100 was due and I gave you $100, would you look at me and say, my, you are generous. No. You would just think, at best, I'm being good or decent because I simply paid you what I owed you. Now, what Jesus wants us to know and understand is that He has called us to a lifestyle that's above and beyond what is deserved and above and beyond what is expected, even if what is expected are the common courtesies of everyday life. It would be a common courtesy to use the word please and thank you correctly. Christians don't just use the words please and thank you because they're Christians. That's just normal everyday life, or should be. It might not be in our culture today, but it should be. Okay? We, we have to go above and beyond that. Well, have to? No. You see, if you want level four living, then you realize fullness of life is never found in just meeting people's expectations. There's no wow factor in that, correct? If I owe you $100 and the time comes due for me to give you your $100 and I'm really appreciative of what you've done and instead of $100, I bring $200 and I say, I'm just so grateful that you were there when I needed you and I want to bless you with this. Now what happens? I haven't just met expectations. I've gone above and beyond what is expected. And I, do I get a thrill and a joy out of that? Shake your head like this. Of course. Because it adds a wow factor in life. And here's this person who's coming to me and they're expecting to receive $100. And when they go away, what do they have? They have 200 Does that add a wow factor to their life? Absolutely. That's what generosity of spirit does. Now, it's a little easier for us to see that in terms of money, but I want to put it in terms of lots of other things. So let's take a look at the second principle that comes out of this passage, and that is the principle that generosity is a characteristic that springs from a transformed spirit, not just a deed motivated by an obligated or guilty conscience. Let me tell you what I mean. It'd be real easy for you to hear this message this morning and go out of here and say, man, I'm going to be generous all this week. And so all this week, you're kind of working on it and so forth. And, but two weeks from now, you've totally forgotten about the message. Okay? So you're not really going to, you know, you know what that is? You got in the flight simulator, right? It shook you up for a while. But two weeks from now, when you got out of the flight simulator, where are you? Same place where you started. Okay? What I want you to see is that Mars is called the red planet not because it has red dots on it periodically. It's called the red planet because it's red all the time. Okay? Saturn is called the ringed planet 
Not just because once in a while it has rings, but the rings are there all the time. Earth is called the blue planet. Why? Because seven-eighths of its surface is covered with water. It's the only planet in the world like that. It's always like that. Generosity of spirit has to be in our lives to the same degree that water covers the surface of the earth. It's there virtually all the time. Now, friends, you know that none of us is generous of spirit by nature. You know that. We work at it. We can get challenged and inspired and go out and do something that's generous. And when we come home, we feel good about it. But if it does not become a way of life for us, it doesn't really change us. And what I want you to see is when you decide to trust Christ, when you decide to invite Him into your life, and and when you decide to make Jesus the center of your life, then what you're doing is you're taking your spirit. You know the very last song we sang? I surrender all to you. All to you. When you take your spirit and you actually give it to Jesus... And say, Lord, change my spirit. Change who I am. So that my heart on an everyday basis feels different than it does. I have a naturally selfish heart. Oh, I like to do good things. But when push comes to shove, it's pretty easy for me to be selfish. God, would you take my heart and change it into an unselfish one? I have a heart that can be pretty stingy at times. And very much, these are my things and those are your things. And let's not get those mixed up. Right? God, would you change my heart so I could become generous of spirit? When someone offends me, all of a sudden, I have a real clear understanding of what's right and wrong and what's just and deserved and what isn't just and what isn't deserved. And they don't deserve to be forgiven. So guess what? I'm probably not going to. God, change my heart so that I can be generous in all these different areas. Now, Jesus... Talk to us about six. I want to give you five. Because it's real easy to think, hey, Christmas was just here. I went above and beyond the call of duty. I must be generous. Okay? Let's put it in all of life. And I'm going to give you five things. The first is this. If we're going to be generous of spirit, then we will give more love than is deserved or expected. Not just to our children, Not just to our husband or wife, but to the general people we run into in everyday life. To our co-workers. We will give more love to people we share the road with than what is deserved or expected. Right? We will give more love to people who are cranky with us. In fact, let's go to number two. We will give more grace than is deserved or expected. Because in all of life... There are miscommunications. And in all of life, we make mistakes. And in all of life, we misread people. And and it's easy. I'm driving yesterday, just driving down the road. And I got a big trailer, and we're going to Ikea to get some stuff. and, and, And there's, I think, four lanes of traffic, and people are merging here. So I didn't cut anybody off. I put on my blinker, and I pulled over and so forth. But there's a guy coming like 70 or 80 miles an hour back there, and when he gets up there, he goes around me, lays on his horn all the way around me to make sure that I know that trailers are actually supposed to be in the far 
right-hand lane, which I got in the far right-hand lane as soon as people were done merging and so forth. But you know, I'm sure that guy went on his way thinking, that's one self, selfish, unobserving, uncaring guy. Yeah. So you know what I did? I honked at him. No, I didn't. <laughs> no way. I didn't say anything. Because you know something? As a follower of Christ, I want to be a level four liver. I want to live with generosity of spirit. And you know something? I want to be gracious. I want to give more grace than is expected or deserved. I want to give more time and attention than is expected or deserved. I want to do that when I'm in the grocery, when I'm in, in line at the grocery store. And, you know, that, that poor person has probably checked out 300 people already before I get there. Well, you know something? I want to give him or her more time and attention. Not, 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 not being slow, but it's pretty easy for me to sit there and look at whatever stupid thing is on those magazines up there by the newsstand, right, that they make up about people. Or I can be doing a hundred different other things. I make it a practice because they all wear a name tag, correct? I make it a practice. When they say, did you find everything that you needed? I make it a practice to say, yes, Denise, I did. Thank you for asking. Call them by name. They rarely get called by name. They're just a checker. It's a concept of time and attention. And then last of all, I want to give more generous gifts than what are expected or deserved in all of life. That's what Jesus calls us to. This wonderful generosity of spirit. By the way, do you think that might contribute to freedom of spirit? What do you think? Absolutely, because you don't have to keep score anymore. You're not trying to figure out what people deserve. You're being generous. What a great way to live. Now let me give you scripture number two. Jesus again says, forgive and you will be forgiven. By the way, that's real high on my priorities list. I want to be forgiven. And then he says, given it will be given to you, a measure pressed down, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, I want you to underline the last sentence. Would you read it out loud with me together? Ready? Let's read. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I brought along something that I think might help us understand that. And so, I brought along a scoop, okay? And Jesus made reference to a scoop, and so I brought along a scoop. This was a scoop that was in a candy dish, and I think the idea is that I would not get fat. Right? And so we all have a reservoir of love and grace and kindness and thoughtfulness and unselfishness. I call it our generosity reservoir, and Jesus said... You know, the measure that you use in doling that out is the measure I'm going to use. So, you know, the great thing about this sort of scoop is when you dip it into your generosity reservoir, it doesn't take very much out, correct? Leaves you lots left in there. It's not a really big risk. The problem is there's also not much in it. So you have to be really selective about who you can be generous with because if you find the first person and you do that, now you got nothing left, correct? So what happens is, 
When we get a little stingy on the generosity scale, we dip in there. We don't take very much. And we sort of sprinkle it on this person. And then we find another person that we think might deserve it. And we sprinkle a little there and we sprinkle a little there. And we have to be very careful and very selective because, after all, we don't want to be taken advantage of. Correct? And so when our scoop is empty, we think, wow, you know, I felt good each time I did that. And God says, you know, I've got some blessings I want to pour into your life. Oh, man, God, I'm all about blessing. Dump it on me. And God says, you know what scoop you've been using? Could I borrow that for a minute? <laughs> and God takes the scoop and he dips it into his blessings. And he goes, man, that's not very much. I've got to be careful where I put that in their life. Because if I just dump it all right here, they've got nothing left, right? So he has to be very careful and he gets very selective. And he sprinkles just little blessings here and there. But if we decide, you know... That was kind of cool for exploring Christ. I'm going to do this. I found a bigger scoop. Now, the disadvantage of the bigger scoop is when you dip it into your generosity reservoir, it digs deeper, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a bigger risk. But the great thing about filling this scoop up is the fact that you don't have to be nearly so selective about where you put it. You can start to live with generosity of spirit. And so you can start to, to sort of scatter it wherever you go. And it takes longer to empty the scoop. And God says, that's great. I've got some blessings I want to give in your life. Say, that's great, God. I'm all about blessings. And God says, can I borrow that scoop? So God takes that scoop and he digs it into his blessings. And now he can scatter those blessings in all of our lives. But for some of us, we go, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, bigger one. Because obviously, I want to live with generosity of spirit. Now I'm ready to live close to Christ. And he was generous with everybody. So we dig in and we get a bigger scoop. Now the, great, the tough part is, the bigger the scoop, the deeper it digs into the generosity pool, right? Yeah. Does that make you a little scared? Of course, because you're risking more. You're putting more, quote, eggs in that basket. When we get done, now this one we can just kind of go everywhere with, right? And God says, can I borrow that scoop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we give God the scoop, and he puts it in there, and he shakes it down, he presses it together, when it's all running over, then he dumps it into our life. But there are some of us who say, you know something? That's my kind of scoop. Right there. Now, you know the tough part about this scoop? Are you ready for it? It's the same size as your reservoir. And when you dip it in, takes it all. Is that scary? Shake your head like this. Yeah. By the way, what was the song we just sang? I'm laying it. How much? That song wouldn't mean very much. I'm laying half down for you, God. <laughs> I surrender half. It wouldn't mean much, would it? I surrender one scoop, small scoop, but I'm going to give you a shot. No, I surrender what? All. Oh. So it takes a scoop. It takes everything we have. But you know the great thing about living with this kind of generosity of spirit? And I know that it's great that God's going to bless us and he's going to pack it in and he's just going to pour it in our lives because we have been faithful stewards of what he's given and God knows that when he puts something in our life, we're going to, we're going to share it with other people. And we're going to bless other people. And, but the great thing about living with generosity of spirit is wherever you go, you bless people. 
wherever. It doesn't make any difference. And people love to be around you because there's something that just comes out of your life that they don't get anywhere else. Now you're not a planet that has blue spots on it. You're what? A blue planet. It's the characteristic of your life. As we close, I'll give you the final parable. Everybody do something for me. I want you to hold your hands out like this. And one of your hands I want you to close and the other one I want you to leave open. And I'm going to ask you during this week three times to go through this exercise. This hand is the hand that's more natural for us and that is what's mine is mine and I'm hanging on to it. Nobody's taking it from me. When I owe somebody something, I'll open it just long enough to get out what I owe them and then I'll close it again because I want anything else to come out, correct? It's mine. I meet expectations on this side. I give people what they deserve, but not really much more. This hand, it's open. People are allowed to freely take from it whatever's in it. It's not closed. Makes no effort to hang on to what's in it. That's just there. I want you to see something. If you're going to be hugged by somebody, would you rather have them hug you like this or with this hand? With open hand. If somebody's going to come along and help you, would you rather have them help you and leave their, their fingers closed in a fist all the time? Is it a little difficult to help with your closed fist? Unless you're boxing, yeah. This hand is ready to help. This hand, not so much. This hand is ready to lift. This hand, not so much. This hand is ready to hug. This hand, not so much. This hand is ready to give. This hand, not so much. Now the challenge is, we live in like this, or like this. Would you join me in prayer? Father, even as we've held our hands, what, what an interesting parable would you teach us to live with an open hand and open heart, freely giving love, freely giving grace, freely giving time and attention, freely giving service, freely giving gifts. Lord, help us to take a journey today that we might leave in a different space than when we came. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.